Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book, I Needed a Neighbor by Patricia Sanjin with permission of Scripture Union Publications. And we are on chapter 13. Tisva slept soundly and woke only when the truck stopped in a noisy little market and Charlie poked his head around the back. How about some breakfast, he said. Feeling better? If you can take the wheel now, I'll sleep. It was still early, and they sat in the little cafe with the smell of blue smoke and frying all around them. Tisva felt vaguely sick. And while Charlie feasted on coffee and kebabs, he drank a bowl of broth and ate an orange. Charlie's eyes were red-rimmed, and he kept yawning. He fell asleep over his last mouthful, and Tisva prodded him gently. You sleep, I drive, he said. You lie in the back. Not on your life, said Charlie, jerking himself awake. You're a learner, as far as I'm concerned. Until I get you a license, I'm getting beside you. Let's go. They drove for five hours across the fawn-colored landscape that should have been green and planted with sprouting harvest. Charlie leaned against the back of the seat and snored loudly while Tisfa went on and on along that road that seemed to rise up and hit him, glaring and dazzling in the heat. Sometimes he saw strange mirages of trees and water which disappeared as he approached and he thought his fever was returning, for his head ached and his mouth felt like dry sand. It was noon when they reached the village near the river bank, and he drew up to the shade of a palm tree and rested his head on the wheel. The jerking of the truck roused Charlie, who woke and looked at his watch. Wow, it's midday, and we've got as far as this, he said. That's great, Tisva. Let's eat. Somehow Tisva managed to stagger to the little table under the awning and drink some ice-cold water. He tried another bowl of broth and had to go out in the middle of it and vomit. Charlie, who was stuffing himself with chicken and fried potatoes, came out and stood beside him, scratching his head. He hadn't the slightest idea what to do, but he was sincerely sorry. Maybe you've caught my bug, he said. I'm really sorry, but it's only a 24-hour thing. I'm okay now. I'll drive. You get in the back. It had been dark for nearly two hours when they arrived at their destination a crowded, smelly little drought town on the main road from the capital to the camps on the eastern border. Charlie drove straight to the hostel, used by many of the famine relief workers in transit, regardless of their nationality, and towed Tisva to follow him. They went through a gate set in a high wall that surrounded a house with a well-kept garden. A veranda ran along the front of the house with rooms open onto it, but the rooms were mostly bare as the visitors had dragged their beds out into the open air where, as it was late, they were all asleep, but a tall, dark-skinned man named Meniscu got up at once and offered to prepare food for them. Great, said Charlie with a whisper. Anything that's going. We'll lift two more bedsteads out into the garden while you get it. Look, there's a room down near the flower bed. Tisva felt stronger and was able to enjoy a little salad and some lentils, and although he was too tired to talk, he knew that this tall, courteous countryman was watching him curiously. He was suddenly very conscious of his dirty clothes and his grimy skin. It didn't really matter. Tomorrow they would put him in a refugee camp and it would be all over. I'm going for a shower, said Charlie, scraping his plate. How about you, Tisva? We're both pretty dusty. Let's change. He broke off in confusion, realizing that the man he'd befriended had no luggage at all but a blanket, a cooking pot, and a water bottle. There was a moment of awkward silence, and Mingus, too, who was clearing the plate, said quietly, You have come from far, maybe across the border. I can lend you a clean shirt for the night. 
And I've got some spare trousers, broke in Charlie. I'm a bit fatter than you, but you can tie them around. Come on, let's wash. It was good to be clean again. Charlie's soap and that blessed cold water seemed to wash away Tisfa's fever and headache, and he lay down, cool and clear in his mind. The beds were close together, and Charlie lay on one side, snoring already. And on the other side, somewhat to his alarm, lay a blonde girl in a skimpy nightgown, fast asleep with her arms thrown over her head and her sheet turned down. But he was too tired to feel embarrassed. And anyhow, if this was Charlie's way of doing things, he'd go along with it, for he was beginning to like Charlie. He lay awake for a long time, enjoying the feel of clean cotton, breathing in the faint scent of flowers in the watered garden, wondering about the future and thinking about the boy Charlie, who had not realized that you could not drive forever on an empty stomach, who had plied him with food unsuitable for a semi-starving man, and who had quite forgotten that he had nothing to change into, yet who had cared and lent him his trousers. Tomorrow, no doubt, they would say goodbye to each other. It would be just one more parting like all the others, and after all, there were plenty of refugee camps in this part of the world. He would be looked after. He had traveled nearly 400 miles north and was not far from the place where he might one day cross the border back into his own province. He had been fed and clothed and treated with great kindness, and he should have been thankful to God. But right then, he wasn't. In his weakness, he turned his face to the mattress and wept. Tomorrow we're going to be reading chapter 14. I love you. I'm praying for you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.